Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here's the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall.
And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I will be joined in just a minute by John Greenwald, and we all know who he is, but I have a bit of a biography for him, for of him for you, if uh, you have forgotten. I was going to do a momentary rant because sometimes I just like to do that. I've gotten a number of emails in the last uh, 10 days, two weeks, about Philip Corso and his book. I am absolutely stunned that there are people in the UFO community that give any credence to that work at all. The cover has a lie on it, and I say lie. Uh, Philip Corso was not a colonel, as the book says. He was a lieutenant colonel. And when he was questioned about this, he said, well, he had been promoted to colonel in the reserves when he retired, which turned out not to be true. Now, I understand that publishers sometimes make mistakes. In my book, um, the UFO case book that I wrote a long time ago, it said uh, that I was uh, U.S. Air Force retired. At the time, I was U.S. Air Force Reserve. But the editor had thought the R at the, met, at the end of U.S. Air Force meant retired, and he put it on the book. Well, I called him on that, and he said, well, it was too late to change the cover and fix that. But I had a perfect excuse for it. I hadn't said that. Some guy wrote me a letter or was going to do an article exposing me, saying you couldn't possibly be retired from the military. Uh, you were too young. But it turned out at the time the book was published, had I spent been on active duty for the 20 years, I could have actually been retired at that time. So it was wrong. The point is, Corso, when he was challenged on this, and said, why does it say colonel instead of lieutenant colonel? All he had to do was say the publisher didn't understand the difference between lieutenant colonel and colonel, and that a lieutenant colonel is addressed as colonel periodically in informal communications, on the telephone, in real life. And that would have been the end of it. But he didn't say that. So that makes the statement on the front of the book a lie. But the point is, throughout the book, there's all these mistakes. And anybody who spent any time in the military, understand convoy operations, realizes his discussion of the convoy to Fort Riley is nonsense. That his description of seeing the alien body in a crate at Fort Riley is nonsense. And an awful lot of what he said in his book is absolute nonsense. Although, for those of you who don't understand, I believe the book is nonsense. Now that I've got that uh, out of my uh, wheelhouse, John Greenwald, welcome to A Different Perspective. I appreciate that. It's good to be here. I'm going to tell you that uh, John is best known as the creator of the Black Vault website that houses thousands of UFO-related documents obtained through FOIA from a wide variety of government agencies. He has been the master of ceremonies at many UFO conferences and symposiums in recent years and is one of the leaders of the UFO community. I'll buy that. He has spent several months investigating the ATIP program, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. As some of the leaders of the ATIP program and the footage of UFOs taken by the Navy fighter pilots. All of this originated with the TV program Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigations. His book, Inside the Black Vault, The Government's UFO Secrets Revealed, it takes a look or takes us on a journey through the secret world of unidentified aerial phenomenon, which we used to call UFOs, by the way, that has plagued the government since the 1940s. Declassified records prove that UFOs are one of the most highly classified subjects. What makes the book interesting is the journey that John took in his efforts to retrieve documents from the various agencies using FOIA. Uh, John, before we get into unidentified, there has been... In the last couple of days, a number of stories out about uh, Snowden's search of um, classified documents for UFO-related material and that he didn't find anything of, of importance. Mm -hmm. uh, are, are you aware of that, and is that relevant? 
I am aware of it. Uh, to be honest with you, is it relevant? I don't know. I mean, the, did he really have access to 100% of 100% of what's out there? I don't, I, I, that I don't buy, even though he was able to get what he did. But on top of that, um, you know, I saw one argument say, well, he didn't know about ATIP, so he didn't find everything. Uh, to me, the, the Snowden thing is, is a silly point that was brought up, I think, with, with Rogan. I think Rogan's really, Joe Rogan is really into the topic, and he had to find a way to work it in. And, you know, I don't think Snowden is the end-all, be-all with, with that. Well, that was the thing that I thought when I heard this thing was that he didn't, there was nothing in the stuff that he released that talked about the ATIP program, which suggested he didn't get into the, the UFO end of it uh, very deeply if he got into it at all. So I, I, I had thought of that as well. Yeah, I, but I, I don't put much weight into it, to be honest with you. Uh, that, that, he, that he didn't find anything you don't think is very significant then? Not really, no. I mean, the, the, no. I don't. I, I don't have uh, a lot of faith that he, again, would have access to 100% of what's out there b b between all the different agencies. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I just don't see one centralized database that um, Edward Snowden would be able to access to even hunt for that stuff, let alone find it. That was kind of my thought uh, about all the various compartmentalizations and the way secret materials is handled and yeah. how it's limited to certain people that um, even though he was, I guess, just searching everything that he could find, that he um, didn't really find anything about UFOs because he didn't look in the right place. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, I mean, you're smart enough to know that. It just doesn't make sense that that would be available to him, meaning a centralized repository where he could search for any topic throughout every agency and get an answer. I, I just don't uh, see that being a possibility. And we really don't know wh how much his uh, uh, access was was restricted either, what specifically he was able to get at and uh, what his purview was when he was doing his actual real live honest to goodness consulting work. Yeah, exactly. And I will throw out one thing about Snowden. Uh, I'm not, as you know me personally, this big conspiracy theorist that finds a conspiracy in everything. However, I do believe, uh, and I laugh only because I posted this about a week ago uh, and got uh, attacked by some and praised by others, but I think Snowden was put up to leak what he did. I think that it was actually uh, something that he was uh, tasked to do, that he is not the quote-unquote hero, whistleblower, leaker that the media made him out to be. Uh, that's the fun of a, of a conspiracy theory, though. I mean, it's not like I have a ton of evidence to support it, but I will say this about that thought. When Snowden came out with what he did, uh, they uh, essentially changed and altered all of the FOIA request responses that they would give to anything touching on what Snowden leaked, meaning they were able to shut it down 100% as they gave a Glomar response now for everything. And so I think that that, to me, is a little bit of evidence to show that they benefited from that information coming out. Because I'll be honest with you, we didn't learn anything new. Uh, we really didn't. We put some names to it, but programs like Echelon were rumored for decades. They had a a movie um, starring Gene Hackman and uh, that that was uh, all about you know people being watched and 
echelon if you say something that it cues in the computers to listen into your conversation. So all that was rumored for a long time. So all this did was change the way that they uh, dealt with FOIA requesters like me. And then they gave what's called a Glomar response, which was we can neither confirm nor deny documents exist on any of that because of Snowden. So the, um, the motive, I think, was definitely there for it to happen. So the suggestion is the government wanted this stuff leaked for some purpose? I mean, I understand you're, you're, you're speculating in this conspiracy mode. Sure. But, but what you're suggesting is the government actually didn't mind about mind this, and somebody may have actually pointed him in the directions that they took. Yeah, to be honest with you, yeah. I mean, look at uh, what what did we truly learn? And, and this was nothing other than having some company names and and program names attached, like Prism and and other things. But Echelon again had been rumored well before Snowden, and that that was a program that the NSA was allegedly involved in that was spying on our conversations and you know tuning in that if you said certain keywords that it would kind of flag the system, so to speak. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. To, to keep watch on you. And I've chased documents on Echelon for years. Even to this day, I still can't find much uh, except get these Glomar responses now uh, when you, again, touch anything that's related to the telecommunications spying, the Snowden leaks, all of that stuff that came out. And they have even blamed the, the leaks of Edward Snowden uh, for them being unable to confirm nor deny the existence or non-existence of records. So I, I think, again, that uh, there's a big possibility that this isn't a, you know, leak as, as, mu as much as we're led to believe. And, and at the end of the day, maybe it was. But I, I think, uh, to me, the evidence is there that they, that they benefited from this stuff coming out because the public didn't learn anything really new. We just put some names and company names. But on top of that, they were able to shut down FOIA requesters like me seeking documents on telecommunication spying and, and spying programs like that. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break here. I don't want to, but we're going to have to. I'm talking with John Greenwald. We'll get into the ATEP program and in just a moment. We were talking a little bit about uh, Stoden's 
comments about the lack of UFO material that he was able to see. Uh, his website, John's website, is www.theblackvault.com. The book is Inside the Black Vault, The Government's UFO Secrets Revealed. And uh, mine is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And I have a long posting up there about the ATIP program's uh, claims of finding metallic or meta materials. And I think you'll find a lot of information there. We will be back right after this with John Greenwald. So stick around. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Path Home Shamanic Art School proudly presents the Gathering of Shaman 2019 Fall Retreat, Manifestation Salon. Join me, Certified Shamanic Instructor Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magnificent Colorado Mountains this November 2nd and 3rd for a life-changing event. Participate in unique teachings and ceremonies that will put the power and magic of shamanic manifestation into your hands. Sit in circle with like-minded individuals, sharing group energy and the power it generates. Classes will be held in a facility next to the beautiful, majestic Arkansas River, further empowering the experience. Space is limited, so reserve your spot today. For more information, visit findyourpathhome.com or email touchin at findyourpathhome.com. I 
am joined by John Greenwald. We were talking about uh, Snowden's uh, revelation that he'd found nothing UFO UFO related in the uh, documents that he searched. Uh, before we went away, I wanted to make one comment because I had dealt with classified material for most of my military career, and I understood that uh, you know it was classified based on the damage it could do to the United States if it was released. You know, confidential material, if it was released, it wouldn't do a whole lot of damage to anything. Uh, secret material would do a little bit more damage, and top secret could be really, really harmful to uh, our various enterprises throughout the world. So from what you are saying, John, I get the impression that the release of this material by Snowden didn't do a whole lot of damage. To be honest with you, I mean, I think the damage was the public perception for a short time. Uh, those that were paying attention to the rumors of what they were doing weren't that surprised, I think. And of course that they're going to take a hit. But what happens, you know, when the government does something bad, you can't hold them accountable. You just can't, you know. They're run by generally non-elected officials and what can you do? So they get some bad press. They got to sit and cower in the corner for a year and a half. But now that it's done and, and, and out, you know, and, and uh, who I hate to say it this way, but like, who cares? And, and that's the harsh reality to, 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 to today's society is that they just move on. Society will care for a year, year and a half, two years, whatever. And the agency sure gets a black eye for a little bit, but they're not going anywhere. You know, there's no accountability, really. And uh, and let's face it, they do the public charade and the hearings and this and that. Do we really think that they stopped 100 percent all of the domestic spying and, and looking into our nation's safety? And in my opinion, no, I think that national security trumps public perception. And I think that they will do what they need to do to truly keep our nation safe. And it's actually something I don't necessarily disagree with, to be honest with you. I mean, if they're listening to you and I and, you know, they're taking notes of what I'm saying, great. I got nothing to hide. Um, but I, I, I sleep a little bit safer at night uh, thinking that, yeah, they still are looking into the bad boys and girls of our society and trying to, to, to weed out the people that we really need to be concerned about. Well, I, as I said, I dealt with classified materials. And I think of the secret material I saw during my military career. And nothing was very outstanding uh, there. I mean, nothing that if I blabbed about it at the time, and all that secret material, by the way, is now would be routinely declassified, because as you well know, a lot of it is stamped, uh, de downgraded after three years. Yeah. So it automatically is downgraded till it becomes unclassified, the exception being top secret material. But I can't think of anything that I saw that was classified secret at the time that if I blabbed about it now would really harm uh, the, the United States in any way whatsoever. So it, I guess it was pretty much harmless, uh, as, as you were saying, with, with what Snowden did. Yeah, when you get documents declassified that have never been either released before or after a mandatory declassification review or an MDR, and you see underneath what was redacted for years or even decades – you, you sometimes scratch your head and go, why was this classified? You know, why couldn't they tell the public this in 1979 when, you know, this document was first released? So I think that that's true for a, a, a majority of classified information where you just kind of wonder, like, what the heck does that even need to be secretive for? But well, I think the last comment that I'm going to make on this and then we're going to move on to the ATIP program 
is that a lot of times the material was classified not because of the information contained in it, but because it could lead back to sources. Yeah. And they were protecting the sources. So when you had something redacted and later on it's, you get the clean document, you say, well, why was this classified? It was to protect the source. It might lead back to the source. And I know that uh, in one instance, there was worried about the pictures, uh, pictures of Soviet aircraft. And the reason it was classified is it might give it the location of where the picture was taken and that could lead back to a source. So that was yeah. why it was classified. Not that we didn't know what all the Soviet aircraft looked like especially when they displayed them at the Paris air shows repeatedly. Yeah. And, and that is a actual, when you talk about UFOs, that is a very wide net, but commonly used exemption, which is sources and methods. But I do stand by, it's a wide net, meaning you have to, you have to really trust that the government is essentially being honest with you by taking that information away from you, redacting it, saying, well, it's sources and methods. You know, this is exempted under FOIA because it'll reveal a source or a method. And that's a wide net. I mean, it really is because uh, you can pretty much say anything is a, is a source or method and then essentially exempted under FOIA. So it's a it's a tricky gray area for sure. A frustrating one, too. Yes, we all have run into that, I'm sure. Uh, let's move on to Unidentified, Inside America's UFO Investigation. And um, I think it's Lou uh, Alessandro who was kind of leading that program and was identified as some sort of insider into the investigation of UFOs. And you were looking into some of that. Uh, I know especially about his background. Do you find anything interesting? And I know you've been kind of um, attacked for yeah. doing this. but yes. Uh, you know, attack is an understatement, uh, which doesn't surprise me, but surprises me. I mean, the the nutshell version is when Luis Elizondo first came out with his story in October of 2017, when they did the when to the Stars Academy, led by Tom DeLonge, did their pressless press conference, which was a head scratcher in itself. But they did this on stage press conference. And Luis Elizondo went out there. I was super intrigued. I mean, a lot of people say I attacked him from day one, and I never did. I, I was, like, elated because his story, if proven true, was the icing on the cake of what I had kind of researched for 20 years, which was the government does have an active interest in this. It is a threat to national uh, security. It is something that they're uh, not taking seriously but should I, I mean, his story was something that was like, this is this is great. You know, this was something very positive. And I had filed FOIA requests based on his claims that day that they did that press conference in October. It was before we ever even knew what ATIP was. We knew that there was a DOD, what they called a DOD, like aerospace threat program. Uh, but they didn't say ATIP and they didn't say... Uh, any anything like that. They they just kind of made it broad stroke in October. It wasn't until December of 2017 that we learned the name. But regardless, I had still filed FOIA requests for it. And I started chasing documents. And within months, uh, come about December, I started seeing that there were some problems with the story. Uh, and then get into 2018 and then uh, February, March, uh, Pentagon statements were starting to be issued the videos that we had seen, the Tic Tac video or the Nimitz encounter, the Gimbal video, and then uh, later the GoFast video, the Pentagon was issuing statements that they were never meant for public release. And when you, sure, the Pentagon could lie, I get that, but you still have to prove when they are lying, either side. 
And so the story, in my opinion, started showing a lot of red flags and started to fall apart on the side of Mr. Luis Elizondo, simply because uh, what he was saying was not necessarily matching up with what the spokespeople were saying, and then as time would pass, what the documents were saying. Well, you and, know as well you know as well as I do that if he was speaking out of turn, that they would begin to sort of subtly feed information into the public arena that suggests he might be a, might not be a credible source. And uh, so what he was saying would disagree with what they were saying, but they have an agenda. Of course, so does he. But did you find anything that suggested which side was probably closer to the truth? Well, when you really get down to the details of what he was claiming, yes, those red flags, to, to me anyway, started to show that his narrative was not necessarily verifiable. Then on top of that, he started contradicting, and I'll give you the quick example, Dr. Hal Putoff. Who, who was a co-founder of To The Stars Academy and who worked on the OSAP contract, which eventually either was ATIP or uh, ATIP was bore out of it. But uh, regardless of which is true, Dr. Hal Putoff's participation in that through Bigelow Aerospace is not disputed. His definition, Dr. Putoff's definition of what ATIP was, was that it wasn't a program at all. ATIP was simply a name for, again, that OSAP program. However, when you listen to Mr. Luis Elizondo, he's saying, well, uh, ATIP was its, an, its own program. It was not OSAP. OSAP had a different director, and he paints this whole different picture. Now, Kevin, you and I both know, to researchers and investigators, those types of details, when you talk about government and military programs, actually matter. They really do. I mean, if you want to get and verify things and fact check, those types of things, like if something is a program or not, really does matter. And so the, the story uh, in that respect really did start to uh, make me question it. But here's the kicker. Fast forward to June 1st of this year of 2019, and The Intercept, uh, authored by a journalist, uh, investigative journalist, Keith Clore, the Pentagon finally issued a statement on Mr. Luis Elizondo himself, and they stated in writing that he had no responsibilities on the ATIP program whatsoever. And essentially what they were saying was, if you're the director of something, you've got responsibilities. And to the Pentagon, he did not. Now, well, I would, I would, I'll interrupt here because sure. for two reasons. One is, uh, the one thing that I noticed in the programming, the unidentified, they never gave his rank. They never said exactly what he did in the military and what rank he obtained, which to me was a kind of a red flag. And secondly, I will say we're going to have to take a quick break here. I am joined by John Greenwald. He of the Black Vault fame, uh, www.theblackvault.com, and his book is Inside the Black Vault, The Government's UFO Secrets Revealed. And we'll, do, we'll talk more about the Louis Alexandro and the Two to Stars Academy and all that sort of thing when we come back. And as I say, I'll have more information available at my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And in fact, there is actually more information about that up even as we speak. So you can take a look at that. I will return with John Greenwald, so stick around.
whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. I am here with John Greenwald. I say that rather than having to say we are back because obviously we were back. When we went away, uh, I was mentioning the red flag that caught my attention on the program. They never identified what his exact status was in the military, saying that he, ha- he was an intelligence officer, or which, which could mean a lot of different things, but they never specific, specifically identified a, a rank. And what I wanted to say before I get John back here for more comment was that in the military, the uh, highest ranking person isn't necessarily the one who is most versed in the topic. We have what they call subject matter experts. And that could be somebody who is well versed in a specific topic. It might be from their education in the civilian world. It might be other things that they have learned. So the uh, brass, if you will, the higher ranking people would go to that subject matter expert to get information. So the fact that they... uh, the guy might have had a low rank or might have been a, a senior NCO is, is really kind of irrelevant, but the fact they never identified it really kind of bothered me. And the one thing I'll point out, I re- it, it, at one point in Vietnam, I was the senior officer available for duty. I was a 20-year-old ward officer, and I was a senior officer, and it sounds really great, you know, it was really this great combat story. And what it was is we had evacuated all the aircraft, and my aircraft, as we were pre-flighting it to take off for the evening, the co-pilot found the tail rotor linkage was was damaged and we couldn't take off. So by virtue of being an aircraft commander and having been in the unit the longest, being left behind, I was the senior guy there. It's not really quite as exciting as it sounded, but it you know it's, it's a great story to tell people. 
So the fact that they're not identifying as rank bothers me a little bit, but there might be reasons for it. But, John, you found other red flags that bothered you as well, right? Yeah, uh, and on the rank issue, uh, in the eyes of the DOD, in his, uh, in his position there, he was considered a civilian GS-15. And that is verifiable via paperwork that came out through FOIA later on. Now, that wasn't available, you know, from the get-go. Um, I, I mean, I, I filed quite a few different FOIA requests for various things. But the GS-15 designation for him was put on what's called a DD Form 1910. And what I did was track down the documents that Mr. Elizondo used to get those three videos declassified. And yes, there were only the three videos. And on there was a GS-15, um, essentially civilian rank for him. Uh, no military rank, but he was a, a GS-15. So, yes, the, the red flags continued. I mean, with the Pentagon stating he had no responsibilities on this program, I mean, that to me, I didn't believe it. When I was called for comment on that, um, I, I honestly had to verify it. Because even though, you know, when, when you're told something like that, um, I had investigated him for a long time. I never really floated the idea that he just didn't work on the program. I felt uh, very strongly that the program was potentially uh, not only not a UFO program, uh, but maybe didn't even, you know, deal with UFOs at all, uh, because there was a big indicator that that was not the drive of that ATIP program. So this Pentagon UFO study that we were being fed from the mainstream media sourced to Mr. Luis Elizondo, I thought for a long time that there was no UFO connection at all. Now, as time went on, the Pentagon finally did address that, that ATIP did investigate uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, but they never really pinpointed how much, meaning it could have been an aspect of it. It could have been the entire program. I don't know. For me, that's the fun of investigating is that you formulate these theories based on the evidence you have on a Monday and Tuesday when more evidence comes around then then you, you got to take the next step and either you confirm your theories or you discount them. And in, in this respect, the non UFO connection whatsoever was kind of discounted when they said, well, yes, it did deal with UAPs. Now, but, would, but wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say that the military, especially the Air Force and probably the Navy, has a responsibility to investigate the UAPs, which are penetrating our airspace illegally? Whatever those UAPs might be. Absolutely. And, and I've stood by for a long time, and this is where I actually agree with To The Stars Academy, and this is where they get the most flack from their fans, is that I believe that there is a large threat potential behind whatever these UAPs are. Now, I'm not speaking for you, but I would think that you would agree with that just because of how you just termed your, your question there. They are encroaching on military installations, whatever it is. The Navy has admitted that, uh, and that's something that you know I think we can all agree on is potentially a threat. To the general public, though, they saw that narrative in Unidentified and were actually upset over it, that they were trying to pitch this, you know, threat, uh, threat potential or threat narrative behind whatever UAPs are. I actually agree with them on it. I don't know why the public is so adverse to the fact that these are a threat, because they are. They're going in and out of places they shouldn't be whenever and wherever they want. So, again, Chinese, Iranian, alien, 
American. I mean, whatever they are, uh, it's potentially a problem here. So so I agree with that um, aspect that, that there's a potential threat here. So that is why I was going back to the beginning. I was excited when he came out because for years, for anyone who had ever sat in one of my lectures, which I love doing, or listened to radio interviews, which I equally love, I talked about the fact that why wouldn't they look into this? That there was a well-documented history of a phenomena, whatever it is, encroaching on military installations, and they well, we could, can we can take a look at battle. the we can take a look at the Belt Montana case from uh, the, the 1960s, where some phenomenon was seen over. Uh, missile silos and shut down a whole flight of missiles so that they couldn't be launched. So you have an outside influence that is capable of affecting our ability to retaliate if we're attacked. And if the Soviets had that capability, that's a major threat. Yeah. And if it's not the Soviets, it's still a threat because somebody outside our chain of command, outside our military facilities, has the capability of impeding the launch of missiles if it came to that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of examples of that of that threat. Now, going back to Mr. Elizondo's claim and what he has really said in a lot of interviews, which became a big red flag for me when official documents started showing up, was how Mr. Elizondo described the three videos that we know as the FLIR one, the gimbal and the go fast, which are those unidentified aerial phenomena videos uh, shot by the U.S. Navy. And uh, they can't figure out what they are. And on the official form that Mr. Elizondo filled out, again, this is all verifiable, nothing leaked. This is verifiable through FOIA, that Mr. Elizondo filled out that form, and he described those videos as being UAVs, or unmanned aerial vehicles, balloons, and UASs, which are unmanned aerial systems, or I think um, uh, aircraft systems, uh, unmanned aircraft systems is the other way they defined UAS. So uh, essentially drones and balloons is how Mr. Elizondo described these things. I also went out, now the question mark is why, and I don't have an answer to that. Because what he was filing too, for those who aren't aware, is these videos needed to be reviewed for usage. And that usage was defined by Mr. Elizondo in his request as United States government use only. Those were his words, not mine. And in addition to that document that I went after, I sought his emails that went back and forth between Mr. Elizondo and Dopser. Now, Dopser is the Department of Defense component that is in charge of all security reviews. And that's important because they are cleared at the highest level to see anything that you throw at them to say, hey, I want this declassified. Or, hey, I want to use this for that. And in those emails, it's revealed that Mr. Elizondo really was talking about nothing UFO or UAP, but rather threats from drone systems, drones and UASs or UAVs. And he wanted to create a database to keep track of these uh, drone incursions, because according to him in the emails, there was no database that existed. I fully support that. If something like that does not exist, it should, because there are a lot of crazy people out there uh, that can buy a $300 drone and start flying these things into sensitive military installations. So they need to see what's vulnerable, what's not, where is it happening the most. I support that. has nothing to do with UFOs or UAPs. 
So, Kevin, I'll this ask is, you, but this, why? But, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, why is there this, like, 100% narrative about drones and balloons on documents that Mr. Elizondo may have never thought we'd ever see? And I go after him, and it reveals this entirely different story. Why is that? Because the use of UFO or UAP would be a red flag to the Pentagon, and they would stop the uh, release of the stuff. Well, okay, two ways to look at that, though. Dopser never was asked for this to be a public release. In the emails, Mr. Elizondo floated that idea later, but they never approved it. But on top of that, they've issued statements on UAPs. So they're not afraid of the topic. And in fact, they've even gone a lot farther than I ever thought they would. Well, uh, let me let me break in here, and, and I'm going to have to take a break in just a second. But the question that comes to mind, what exactly was Alessandro's job? Well, Do we know enough. what he was supposedly doing? I mean, what, what uh, activity yeah. did he have in the ATEP program? I know you're coming up on a break, but to quickly answer that, he was on his resignation letter. He signed it as the director of of the National Programs Special Management Staff within OUSDI, which is, which is the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. That was okay. his official title. We're going to have to we're going to have to break. It's uh, www.theblackvault.com. Uh, John Greenwald's wrote, wrote Jim written the book Inside the Black Vault and my blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. We will be back and finish this discussion up with John Greenwald right after this, so please stick around. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. 
To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. John Greenwald is the guest. We're talking the ATIP program and uh, Luis Alexandro's role in it. When we went away, you described, uh, you gave us the name of his position. It sounded to me, by the way the government does these things, that he was a human resources guy as opposed to an investigator. Well, I don't, I don't want to take away from his position, because I'll be honest with you, he... Um, he obviously had he, he had a, a senior level position and the NPSMS is something that is very, very hard to find information on. And I searched very long and hard. And I did I did a video on this because I was able to bring up a military court transcript that tied into Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Yes, KSM. And uh, it didn't mention Mr. Elizondo, but it did mention that position. It's the only official document that I've been able to find so far that references it. And in short, they talk about uh, how they were the quote-unquote special access program people or the, the SAP access people. Now, 
Of course, some of the fans of Mr. Elizondo were all over this, but keep in mind, ATIP was never a special access program. Uh, Harry Reid tried in 2009, which was pretty abnormal for a senator to try and do that. But that aside, he tried, and it's been reported, and no one's ever confirmed that ATIP was ever uh, a SAP program. But regardless, uh, that is kind of his office. So he was responsible for giving people, in my opinion, uh, giving people or clearing people for access to some of those special access programs or the SAPs. So he had a pretty important job. I'm not going to take that away from him. And I'm sure he saw quite a bit in his day. Uh, But it also, his position paves the way, this is just a working theory, but paves the way for him to have knowledge about ATIP because it probably crossed his desk. Not because it was a SAP, but rather because Harry Reid had to put Luis Elizondo's name on a cleared list of people that would have access to it because he was the one responsible for clearing that access to SAPs. Now, again, the SAP was denied. Uh, however, Luis Elizondo's name ended up on Harry Reid's letter. Uh, the, the Pentagon, again, looked at that letter, confirmed it, and said that does not change their stance. So it's the long-winded way of saying he did have a very important position, but nothing indicates that he was involved in a UFO program. If it comes out tomorrow... Awesome. I'll help him disseminate the evidence. I've offered that to him personally and privately, although he ignored the rec- the um, email and message. Uh, but I've also done it publicly, that if they have something to counter what the Pentagon has stated about him, that I would help them disseminate it. And they have not been able to produce anything. That only uh, evidence that has per- been produced was by George Knapp and that 2009 Harry Reid letter and uh, the Pentagon quickly shot that down. Well, then the question becomes, does this really have anything to do with UFOs or UAPs? Um, or is that something else going on here? Uh, I, I get the impression that we're not really dealing with UFO investigations. We're dealing with something else. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, that's the question of the year right now is how much uh, a UFO, quote unquote, UFOs played a role in this, if at all. Now, going back to the drone thing, because I think this is really important and relatively fresh, just weeks ago, I got a batch of of internal United States Air Force emails about unidentified aerial phenomena. And 100% across the board, internally, the United States Air Force has been communicating with each other, including the spokespeople and other higher-ranking military officers, about UAPs and that they are simply drones and UASs. In fact, UASs was was what they stressed the most. And for those who don't know, a UAS versus a drone is it it refers to not only the drone but also the operator, uh, him or herself, rather than just the craft. So that's the difference of what UAS is. But that's what they were referring to. And I even have found an email from the Air Force spokesperson internal that said, uh, yeah, all this hoopla, and I'm paraphrasing here, but all the hoopla about the quote-unquote UFO guidelines, as reported by the media, uh, was simply about unidentified uh, aerial systems. And yet the media turned it into UFOs and aliens. And she did say UFOs and aliens. In other words, the stance of Mr. Luis Elizondo, the stance of the U.S. Navy, Uh, And the stance of the communications between Elizondo and Dobser all show that what we're dealing with here are drones and uh, UASs. 
Now, to somebody who is a firm believer that there is something real about this UFO phenomena, and I don't believe it's all drones and balloons and, and UASs, I want to know why Mr. Elizondo's paperwork said that. I want to know why the Air Force has been 100% silent publicly on the UAP issue, and I had to go after internal communications to see their stance, and their stance is the same as Mr. Elizondo. Here's the idea I will float. It is quite possible that when we talk about the Nimitz and the Gimbal encounter, along with the GoFast, which, by the way, were the same incident, I got the Navy to confirm that to me, uh, that it happened on the same day. It is possible that the United States Air Force is testing highly classified technology against the U.S. Navy. I wouldn't bet money on it yet, but that is a big of a possibility as aliens. So I think documentation is starting to support that. And it is quite possible that Mr. Luis Elizondo had clearance to know that, and yet the Navy did not. That's a possibility. Well, you know, what strikes me as you were talking about that, I know that the Special Forces, the Green Berets, used to run, and probably still do, uh, training exercises by spying on classified projects that may be being run out at uh, Fort Bragg or wherever they happen to be stationed as a way of seeing if they can penetrate the security, as a way of training them on how to penetrate security. So your suggestion that the Air Force is kind of testing this technology against the Navy doesn't surprise me at all, that it makes sense if if the Navy is fooled by that technology or can't identify that technology, then that tells the Air Force something that they really want to know. And yeah. it means that our competitors in the world may not be able to detect or identify that technology. I think it's a huge possibility. And the biggest flack you get, uh, by you, I mean me, uh, by, <laughs> by, flo by floating that is that you take away the accusation is that I'm taking away from the military witnesses, and that can't be farther from the truth. The military witnesses, the brave men and women that do come forward and talk about their encounters is incredibly important. But that doesn't mean what they saw can't be identified. That's not an insult to them. It just means that they didn't have the tools to readily identify it. They didn't have maybe the knowledge of what potentially it could have been when it could uh, have been some kind of highly classified piece of technology. But look at the area, let's just say Commander Fravor, where Commander Fravor was off the coast of San Diego in the Pacific Ocean. You are in the vicinity of uh, Navy installations, not just the San Diego bases, but I'm talking about uh, in and around Catalina, where you've got these Navy installations where it makes sense that potentially there are classified pieces of technology being flown out there. And what better way to test it than doing it against the most powerful Navy in the world with the best technology? I'll give you another quick example. All the way back into the 1950s, and it ties into Area 51. Yes, it existed back then. I'm sure you know, Kevin, but just uh, for those who don't, what they did was they did a spy satellite flyover of Area 51, and they took the that technology that was able to take those pictures gave it to the top CIA analysts that were cleared at the top secret level to see the photographs, but they never told them that it was an American base. And they asked them, analyze, what can you see? What can you deduce? Is it an active base? What's going on? What kind of technology? And essentially, we were testing ourselves. And I think that that is true decades and decades later. You brought up the special forces, and it's not an insult to say that quite possibly a military pilot sees something in the sky that he can't identify, 
but somebody within the Pentagon with top secret clearance can. Well, the the thing is, it, he sees something in the sky he can't identify, and it is maneuvering in a way that no known aircraft, and I say no known aircraft, can maneuver. So it suggested something, an advancement in technology that could lead you to the conclusion of an alien visitation. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And no known technology is is the key. I mean, uh, there there are some people that if you said you know, in, in the 1940s where uh, they actually were uh, designing a flying wing, if you told them that this would fly one day, they would say that you're crazy, yet it did. Decades after that flying wing flew, people didn't know it was flying. And so secrets can be kept for quite a long time, and those secrets can contain technology that's just not known. And, well, the and, and history has proven that. Well, the, the thing that always stuns me is the SR-71 is basically 1950s technology. Mm -hmm. And we still are marveling at the uh, abilities of the SR-71 Blackbird. John, I've run out of time. Well, that's too bad. Let's just do another hour for the fun of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and uh, see what happens at that that point. I'll have you back uh, sometime when we get some more information going on. I want to talk about uh, again the um, meta materials and that sort of thing. So we'll have you back here in a, uh, when we know a little bit more about that. But thanks an awful lot for taking some time with us this afternoon. It's my pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. And as I say, it's www.theblackvault.com. The book is Inside the Black Vault, The Government's UFO Secrets Revealed. And we've been talking about ATIP and all of that sort of thing. And as I say, I've got a long article about the meta materials up on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. I also did a book, Encounters in the Desert, which deals with the... Um, Socorro UFO landing, and I think brings out some new information, some better information, and gives you a better handle on what happened. And for those of you who are stuck in the 20th century, take a look at Roswell in the 21st century, which will give you a lot of new information and good information about where the Roswell case is uh, today. I will be back in 167 hours with another program, and thank you for joining us today. Mm -hmm.